growing up, I played basketball. Any basketball players out there? My middle school years, I played basketball. All right. And we would play in what was called in our middle school years in the CYO League, which stood for the Catholic Youth Organization League. That's where the best basketball in our area happened. And so I kind of always felt like the outsider because I've never been to a Catholic church service before. Um, But they let me play on the team, and we had a great time. And I have so many great memories from playing basketball in this league and on this team, and and it it was really cool. But we would go to Catholic churches or Catholic schools to play these games. We enter into the lobby, and, you know, the gym would be over here, and Sometimes, and again, this is from a completely outsider perspective, and some of you are probably a lot more familiar with this than I am, but sometimes when you go into these Catholic churches, these Catholic schools in the lobby area, the gym would be over here, and then around the side over here would be like these small little rooms, these little booths that, as I understand, would, you would go there, people would go there to confess their sin, and the priest would be sitting on the other side of a window, and he would forgive you of your sin. Today we're going to be talking about confession, and I don't know what comes to mind when you think about confession. Maybe some of you grew up in a different kind of religious tradition or church experience, and confession to you was like God was angry at you all the time and couldn't wait to punish your sins, and so your response was, I'm going to confess all of my sins as often as possible, like all of my sins. I'm going to spend so much time trying to figure out this sin, that sin, that sin, 10 years ago, five years ago, five minutes ago. I'm going to name it. I'm going to forget. I'm going to confess all of my sins because God is so ready to to punish all of my sins. And I can't go to heaven if I'm a sinner, if I have unconfessed sins. So I'm going to go through my whole life and I'm going to try and pinpoint these little things and say, God, forgive me of this, and forgive me of this, and forgive me of this, and forgive me of this. Maybe that was your story, or, or, or maybe, maybe confession to you as a concept is really a, a foreign thing. Like, what is confessing? Confessing? Sin? Like, that's not something normal people do or, or even talk about, right? Like, this is kind of strange. Like, later today, there's a football game that's happening, Right? You got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Who thinks by way of making noise that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win? That's right. Oh, okay. Well, there was some very, like, no noise, just hands, okay? But who thinks the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl? Yes. All right. Good. That's the right answer. So normal people don't say, hey, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Followed by the question, hey, what sin did you confess last night? And then, hey, could you pass the nachos? Right? That is not a normal person conversation. What we would much rather do is talk about the, all the reasons why we're right about everything. Right? About how we're justified in what we did. We would spend so much time talking about my opinion about this subject is right and everything else in my life, my my family, my friends, my job, for whatever reason, you fill in the blank, isn't exactly good enough. But I'm good enough, certainly, right? That's, That's more of a normal conversation. Or maybe if we're honest with ourselves, 
If we confessed our sin, really? God would forgive me? For, for what I did? The, real, no, no. For what I did? Some days I feel like I'm the worst person in the world. And God would forgive me if I confess my sin to him? And let me tell you, we have an incredible promise from God that the answer to that question is yes, he will absolutely always forgive you. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That is a promise from God to you and to me that you need to know. Like you need to know that verse inside and out, backwards and forwards. If I woke you up at two o'clock in the morning tonight, you should be able to quote that verse right away without thinking about it, without looking at it, without reading it. You need to know that verse. You need to memorize that verse. You need to internalize that verse. It's so, so important. And you need to know it because there's going to come a time when you're going to blow up on somebody and you're going to say something that you wished you wouldn't have said. And in that moment, come on everybody, you're going to have to quote that verse, that promise from God to yourself. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. We got some work to do, church. We got some work to do because you're going to need to know that. You're going to need to know that when you click on that website that you've been trying to avoid and you click on it again, you got to tell yourself in that moment, but come on everybody, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You got to know it. You got to set that challenge when you wake up in the morning the first thing you think about, say that verse. Don't look at it. Don't read it. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. It's in your soul. It's a part of who you are. you got to know that so that when you work all day and all night and you forget about your family and you forget to rest, you can say to yourself, but if I confess my sins, come on, to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to do what? There you go. So let's break it down. Break it down. If, 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 if you do something, then God will do something. Right? This is a conditional statement. You must do something, and then God will do something. And if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to walk in your relationship with God closer, then you must do this. You must engage in this practice. If you do this, then God will do that. And what you are to do is like you got to do it. It doesn't say that if you attend a worship service where the pastor happens to be preaching a message about confession that God would forgive your sin. This is something that you and I must do. We must engage in this practice. And so we do it, and then God does what he does. And so what are we supposed to do? What, what do we do? We confess. Confess our sins. Confess. 
The Greek word for confess is the word homo legio, which literally means same words, same word. And so it's this idea of you're saying the same thing. That's what confession is. You're saying the same thing. But what comes to mind when you think about confession? All sorts of stuff might come to mind when you think about confession. Maybe you think of like the color black or some beads. Maybe you think about some smoke or a priest or you think about a window with squares on it. Think about confession. Or, or some of you might remember reading a book in high school called The Scarlet Letter. And there was a, a young girl in the Puritan period, this is where this book was set, where she gets pregnant and she's forced to stand on a scaffolding in front of her community for three hours and wear a scarlet letter A on her outfit for the rest of her life. Or maybe you grew up in a church tradition or, or situation where Somebody, and maybe it was you, was forced to get up in front of everybody and tell everybody in a setting like this what you did. Confession. Confession just simply means to say the same thing, to say the same words, to say the same thing. So there is a completely different way of understanding the word confession that you probably didn't even think about thus far in our time together today. There's a confession of saying truths about who God is. You're confessing truths about who God is and about basically everything. There's ancient works of literature throughout church history over the course of thousands of years where they are writing down these confessions about God and about uh, basically everything. And one of the most famous confessions of faith is what's called the Westminster Confession. Maybe you've heard of that before. It was written in about 1640-ish A.D., which is like a long time ago, right? And uh, it was written in Westminster, England, and this confession is basically the foundational beliefs of the Presbyterian, many of the Presbyterian churches, the denomination today, the Westminster Confession. And so this is a confession. I just, it's long. I took Chapter 8 of the Christ the Mediator, this is the Westminster Confession. It pleased God in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, his only begotten son, to be the mediator between God and men, the prophet, priest, and king, the head and savior of the church, the heir of all things and judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. That is a confession. And you probably weren't thinking about that as a confession. We, were, we always think of the confessing your sin part, but there's the confessing of the truth of, of God. You're saying the same thing because that's what that word means. Remember, homo legio, saying the same words, the same things. And so what do we do? We confess our sins. We confess our sins. So what is our sins? What does God say about our sins? If we're going to say the same thing about our sins as God says about our sins, what does God say about our sins? And the answer to that question is incredibly broad. It would take forever to go through all of that. And just in the Old Testament alone, in the Hebrew words, there's eight different Hebrew words that talk about our sin. 
And we use one English word, sin. They got eight different varieties of it. And so what comes to mind, maybe, when you think about the sin, what God says about our sin, is like a, a list of sins, like uh, from Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. There's a couple of these in the Bible. And so it says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful natures, the results are very clear, right? This is, these are sins that you do. These are sins that you commit. These are sins of commission. You're, you're choosing to actively engage in these things, in this way of thinking, in this way of doing, in this way of um, believing that you're, you're engaging in sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so maybe those sins of commission, the sins that you are committing, come to mind when you think about sin, what God says about sin. But then, God says stuff about sin that you can sin by not doing anything. These are sins of omission. And we read about those in James chapter 4, verse 17. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So we know what we should do, but we don't do it, right? So we can choose willingly to commit a sin, and then we can choose to not do anything, and we still commit a sin. And then you're like, I, you know, we, we do stuff and we sin, we don't do stuff and we sin. It's just a big old struggle between doing what I want to do, not doing what I want to do, and here comes Paul in Romans chapter 7, 19 through 21 that says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is wrong, or I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it, doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Like there is something about our human nature experience that just, this is a reality that we just can't do what we want to do, we don't do what we should do, and just we just struggle and we fall short of God's standard. And so when we confess our sin, we're saying this, agreeing with God about what he says about our sin. And so it could sound something like this. This is wrong. I sinned against you when, and we don't want to live in the world of generalities, right? I mean, like, let's get specific. Like, I sinned against you when, specifically, when I did this, when we did that, whatever. Will you forgive me? That's a, that's a great confession. And the answer to that question, will you forgive me, is what? It's not a hard trick question. It's yes, <laughs> Yes, right? Yes, I will forgive you because he is faithful and he's just to forgive us. And this is such a vital part of confession. So often we just live in the world of what I did wrong, but confession has to include how does God respond to our sin? What does God do when we confess our sin? He forgives us. He is with us. He doesn't want to punish us. He wants to rescue us. Like, that has to be a vital part of how we confess our sin. It's not just a list of wrong. God, you, you disagree with all of this. It's, God, you are with me. God, you want to rescue me. You want to forgive me. 
That is a vital part of confession. And he will forgive you all the time. He will forgive you. Why? Because he is faithful. He's faithful. He will do it. God doesn't change. His response to you, his response to me, is not conditional on how good of a job I do at confessing my sin. His response to me isn't conditional on where physically I am when I confess my sin. His response to me is not conditional on what clothes I'm wearing when I confess my sin. His response to me is who he is. It's what he does. And he is faithful to forgive us of our sins. My, my favorite verse of God's faithfulness comes from 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. It's a trustworthy saying, Paul writes. It's kind of like its own standalone, everyone knew this kind of thing. And he says, if we die with him, we will also live with him. And if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. These are like opposites, right? All throughout this saying. He said, if you die with him, then you will live with him. If you endure hardship now, you will reign with him later. If we deny him now, he will deny us. And if we are unfaithful, the logical conclusion of that statement is, well, then he will be unfaithful to me. But that is not what that saying says. And that's where the power of this really comes from. But it says, if we are unfaithful, what does it say? He remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. And so when we are tempted to think, when you and I are tempted to think that there is no way that God could ever forgive me, we must remember God's promise that he will forgive us and that he is going to forgive us because he is faithful because he is faithful to his promise. He has promised he will forgive you, and he will forgive you. And it doesn't matter what you do, it matters who he is. And this is who he is, he is a forgiver. He forgives sin. And he's faithful and he's just. We talked about this last week. If a judge is making a declaration of innocence towards somebody, and that judge knows that person is a guilty criminal, and the judge says, ah, whatever, go free, you're fine. That judge ain't just. That judge is crooked, or he's taking bribes, or he's doing something, right? You can't just let a guilty criminal go free, but that's not the kind of judge that God is. He's a just judge. He's a right judge, and Jesus is the one that took our place. He took the guilty punishment. He took the guilty penalty so that we could be made innocent, so that we could be made righteous. And so when we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins because he is faithful and he is just in doing so. He will forgive, forgive our sins. We'll, we'll have many sermon series in the future about forgiveness because it's such a powerful and an important topic, such a powerful and important thing to live into. And one of the best definitions of forgiveness that I heard and have memorized is this definition that forgiveness is the decision to release somebody from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. Forgiveness is 
the decision to release somebody from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. Now, you know what it's like to be injured, right? You've had maybe somebody physically injure you. Or maybe you've had somebody say something to you or take something from you. Or, you know, we get injured in any numerous amount of ways. And what happens is, is we start carrying around an obligation for the other person or the other thing. And we say that they must pay for what they did. They deserve this because of what they did to me. They better pay me back for that. You know, maybe they physically caused X amount of dollars of damage. Maybe, maybe they should spend a year in jail for what they did. But what does forgiveness do? It releases that person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. And so forgiveness says, you don't owe me anything. Forgiveness says, you don't have to pay me back at all. Forgiveness says, I don't want anything from you. And that's what God does for you and what God does for me. He forgives us. You don't have to pay God back. You don't have to make things right. We confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to do something else, to cleanse us from all wickedness. This, this phrase just further clarifies what it means to forgive somebody. For God to forgive our sins. Sin causes a, a blemish. Sin causes a stain. Sin causes a, a separation, an interruption between our relationship with God. And forgiveness cleanses us of that so that we can walk again in fellowship and right relationship with God. And what this verse, if you want to break it down into just a couple words, is saying is really this idea that God is right. He's right. He's just. He's right to, to right, to, to forgive, to make things right. All of our unrights, which is that word wickedness could be translated as unrighteousness. So God is right to right all of our unrights. God is right to do that. And so, did you know that the goal of the Christian life of following Jesus is not to learn how to or try harder to sin less often? Did you know that's not the goal of being a Christian? So often, this blows your mind. So often we think that if you sign up to be a Christian or if you choose to be a Christian, that what you're choosing to do is that you're saying, I am going to, from this day forward, live a life where I do less bad things. That's often the way people understand what it means to be a Christian. And if we do less bad things, then that means we have to confess our sin less often, right? Because we have less bad things to confess, and so we're not confessing as often. But what is this verse we just spent all morning talking about? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all wickedness. 
like a growing relationship with Jesus, it means that you are confessing your sin more, not less, right? You're confessing your sin more as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And so this, this can be a little bit of a confusing statement, so hang in there with me, right? Because I believe that when you follow Jesus, as you grow and you follow Jesus, that you will see in your life that you will sin less. Like you will sin less often. But really that is only from our perspective because there are major things that we're dealing with, there are major sin patterns, thought patterns, strongholds in our life, and Jesus gives us the ability to overcome them, to, to conquer them, to put them to death, the scriptures say, and to live in this reality that you are created new. And so that there, it should be obvious to you that, you know, you are growing, that there are certain things that you used to deal with that you're not dealing with in the same way anymore. Like you should, from our perspective, sin less, sin less often, but you will never be sinless, right? You're never going to be perfect, but the closer we get to Jesus, the, the more we walk with Jesus, the more we realize just how sinful we really are. And so that's what I mean when it's only from our perspective that we sin less because the closer you get to Jesus, you realize, wow, there's more in here than I ever thought or imagined there was. And so that's what confession does. It takes us deep. It takes us deep within our soul, deep within our faith. It takes us deep. And it's sort of like an archaeological dig. You know what I'm saying? An archaeological dig. There's those layers and layers and layers of history that have built over each other over the course of, you know, the thousands of years. And you can dig down and you can see all the different levels of those uh, archaeological dig. And the same is true in your life, and the same is true in my life. You've got layers, like an onion, right? You've got, you got lots of layers, and there are just, it just keeps going. And what we see on the surface is just literally the tip of the iceberg. Like, it's just what you see. And so, what do you see, <laughs> right? When we think about our sin, when we think about falling short of God's standard, when we, you know, we talked about those lists of sin that you could commit, or maybe you, you don't do what you want to do, or there's just this general struggle, right? That's what we see on the surface. We see there's fear. We see anxiety. We see worry. We see greed. We see jealousy. We see division. We see the need to be in control. Those are the things that you see on the surface. Those are the, the area that you most regularly operate in. That's the stuff that you deal with. And we need to confess those things, and then we dig. We confess those things, and, and we dig. We confess those things, and we dig towards, well, how does this anxiety impact my family? Or how does this greed impact me at work? Or, or how does uh, fear impact the way that I work and, and engage in making new friends, right? We're, we're, we're confessing what's on the surface and then we are digging to find all of the different layers of how this impacts us. We're, we're digging, we're going deep through 
confession. And then, then there's like your whole personal history. There, there, there's growing up and, and what happened in middle school and high school and how this impacted you. And you can see these patterns, these layers developing in your life. And so you confess and you dig and you confess and you dig. And so you, it's more than just what you see. What you see often comes as a result of who you see yourself to be. And so you're digging to that level. Like, so, for example, you feel like you need to be in control, right? You're struggling. Things, life's going out of control. I don't know what to do. I, I feel like I'm out of control. Why? Why is that an issue? Well, because you're not in control. You believe you're not in control, but you believe that you have to be. Right? For some reason, you believe that you have to be in control of your life. And so, like, again, you confess and you dig and you say, where does this play out? Where does this play out at work? Where does this play out with my family, with my friends? And you're, you're digging, you're confessing, and you're digging, and you're confessing, and you're digging. And then who I am is often a result of, of what we believe God has done. So what has God done? Like if, like if things are spiraling out of control in my life and I feel like I need to be in control of it and I'm not, maybe God has stopped loving me. He's lost control of what is going on. Maybe he's abandoned me. And so we confess that too. We confess those wrong beliefs, those sinful beliefs, those mistaken understandings of what God has done for us. We confess and we dig. We confess and we dig. And Confession takes us deep, takes us deep in our heart, deep in our soul deep in our faith. Because then, what has God done is often a result of who is God? Well, who is he? Right? If, if the world is spiraling out of control, and I feel like I'm not in control, but I believe that I have to be, and so maybe God has stopped loving me, or he isn't in control of what's going on, then who is God? He is unloving, he is not all-powerful, or he is absent. And if you confess that? Oh, like that is a scary place to get to because what, what's down there? Like what's down there in the depths, in the basement of your soul? Certainly God wouldn't be down there, we might think, right? But you would be so wrong. What's down there is God's grace that covers all of this. That Jesus meets you there in the most loving and the most relatable way, the most healing way. And so if you want to experience more of God's grace in your life, then you must uncover the various layers in your soul, in your life, through confession. If you want to experience more of God's presence in your life, then you must uncover all the layers, the more layers through confession. And if you want evidence in your life that you really believe that God's grace is sufficient for you, if you want evidence in your life that you really believe that God's love is unconditional for you, if you want evidence in your life that God is going to forgive you of your sin, then we must have the ability to bring to God every 
open and honest thing in our soul and say, God, here I am. And hold nothing back. Because, church, God is not hoping that one day you will be perfect. And he's, God's not looking for a perfect community of people to join together and call themselves a church. He's made it possible, God has made it possible for people to join together in a community, not without sin, but without secrets. Where our deepest needs and our deepest hidden secrets are the very thing that brings us together in Jesus Christ. And we're going to spend a lot more time next week talking about this. But these are the very things that God uses in our life to bring healing to other people in our life. Like so often we think it's our great ability or our great skill or our great gifts. And God's going to use that in a way in somebody's life. And certainly he does use those things. But more often than not, God uses our hurts and God uses our wounds. And so let's do it. Let's do this, right? This is a conditional thing. You must do something. Let's do it. Let's dig. Let's confess. Let's dig. Let's confess. Let's dig. As we wrap up our service today, I want to give us time to do this. It's just going to be a couple minutes, so you can't dig very far in a couple minutes, but maybe it'll spark something in you so that maybe you'll go for a hike later for an hour, and you could dig a little further, or you could go walk around your house and dig a little further. Like You're not going to dig very far in a couple minutes, but... It's going to be practice, and hopefully it'll spark something in you. So as you dig in the next few minutes, let the scripture be your guide, Psalm 51. I'm going to, you're going to hear it play in a video. I recorded myself reading it. And in this psalm, David uses four words to describe his sin in the Hebrew language, and he uses ten word pictures of God's forgiveness. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what it means to confess your sin and to confess that God is going to forgive you of your sin. And I pray that we will all experience what it means to stand before God embarrassingly guilty and to experience his overwhelming love, grace, and forgiveness. So we're going to... Take a few minutes and work through this, uh, the scripture. Afterwards, we'll sing a song, and then I'll come back up and close our service together. So what are we going to do? Psalm 139, David says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Would you just be open to asking God that right now? God, search me. And be open to what God reveals to you and confess and dig.